is no exception. I'm, I'm preaching to myself, and you guys are along for uh, the ride. And so, um, so I hope you guys can have grace for me as I, as I cover this topic, because um, I, I just, I'm just telling you, um, I'm as guilty, if not more guilty, of all of this stuff than you. So are you ready to hear a sermon to Matt Williams? Three of you are. Okay. So if you feel like, boy, I'm feeling really convicted, you can be like, oh, this is Matt's problem. And so you can just put it all. No, I'm kidding. It's the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. All right. So we're talking about family values. And last week we talked about the difference between being a Christian home and a Christ-centered home. Being a Christian home and a Christ-centered home. And there's an important difference between the two. Because as a Christian home, you can just say, oh, well, you know. But as Christ-centered, every decision that you make all of a sudden becomes centered around Christ. And it becomes the focus of what your family is about. Now, I know what you're thinking. Young person, you're like, well, I don't have a family. I'm, I'm in middle school. I'm in high school. Uh, I'm in college. I'm an adult. Or maybe, maybe I, did, I don't have kids. My kids are, are grown and gone. Listen, there are principles that we're going to look at, and we're applying them to the family, but these principles can be applied to you and your family unit, however that looks. So don't feel like you have to fit into the mold of what you think a family should look like in order for this to apply to you, because it really does apply to every single one of us this morning. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is in talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and, and uh, it's really a long sermon, and uh, it's, it's two or three chapters, and, um, it's, but the first part of it is the section we're looking at it this morning, and this series called, it's the Beatitudes. And, and so I'm going to read through the, this first few verses of Matthew chapter 5, and then we're going to zero in on, on one verse in particular, verse number 8. And it says, the Beatitudes, and he opened his mouth, it's Jesus, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And number nine, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And number 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this week, we're going to be looking at verse 8 that says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Have you guys ever been robbed? I know, it's a total change of gears, right? Has anybody ever been robbed? Your house has been broken into and robbed? I see hands up. And maybe your car's been, the windows were smashed and somebody took something that, that belonged to you. That's such a violating experience, isn't it? I mean, to even go back home into your place where you live and be able to stand there and be like, a bad guy was literally standing right here. What else did he touch? I'm taking it all and I'm burning it. You know, like there's this weird thing where when something gets stolen from you, it's like this violating thing. Man, I worked hard to get this. I worked hard to save my money to buy this thing. And, and all of a sudden, someone just took it. They just took it. I worked hard for this thing and just got taken. And it's just so violating to come home. And the shock when you, when you find that thing that's been robbed, that window that's been broken, the, the, the car stereo that's been ripped out of the dash, or the, or the car that's been stolen or attempted to be stolen, or, or you find the damage, and it's just so violating to, to see that. You know, we all have experiences in life. Most of us here have had an experience of life where we've been robbed at some point. Somebody has taken something from you. Maybe somebody took a promotion that you thought you deserved. Maybe somebody took a job that you thought you, 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 you deserved to get. 
I had a boss take a bonus from me. He, 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 uh, he didn't pay me a bonus and gave me a, a bogus reason why he wouldn't pay me the bonus, and I felt robbed. You know, there's, there's different things that happen in life where we feel robbed from time to time. But you know, we work hard to bring purity into our families, pure of heart. We, bring, we work hard to bring purities in our family, but there is somebody who's looking to rob that out of your family, looking to rob that out of your life. It's hard work to, to be able to see purity in your family. You, you've put intentional boundaries around your kids or, your, or your, your spouse or your marriage, right? You put intentional things around your life, but, but there is somebody out there. See, the enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a lion. He's looking to, to seek. He's looking to, to steal. He's looking to kill and to destroy. He's looking to rob you of your purity. And so when you see here in verse 8, it says that the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart. You know, we want to protect our families. We want to protect our purity from time to time, most of the time, right? But listen, sometimes as a dad, I got to tell you, I'm ready to protect my family. How many dads are, you're ready to protect your family? Somebody kicks in my front door, I'm going to have eight different weapons regardless of the situation, and somebody's going down. You know what I'm saying? Don't get between a mom and her kids because mama bear's coming out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got some mama bears in here. We got some, some dads that are ready to defend the family and defend the house, you know? In fact, in our world, it's celebrated when we physically defend our family from a bad guy. It's celebrated. People are like, yeah, see that dad, see that man, see that woman, see how they, see how they stood up for their family. They, 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 they kicked the guy and they whatever, and they hold him down, and the cops got him. You're celebrated as a hero, even, if you physically defend your family from a physical intrusion. But what happens when you start to defend your family from a moral standpoint? Oh, you're over-controlling, you're overbearing. Sometimes you get criticized and even ridiculed if you set boundaries of purity over your family because people on the outside who don't understand why you would even do this, sometimes they'll criticize you, right? Sometimes they'll criticize what you're doing because it's like, well, why are you even doing that? I mean, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else went and watched that movie. Everybody else went and and experienced this. And so we got to set boundaries around our family. We're applauded when we protect our family physically, but we're criticized sometimes over protecting our family when we protect their hearts. And so it says in verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, now, it's, this word heart is not talking about the physical organ that pumps blood through your body, right? Like sometimes you think of heart, well, I'm going to protect, I'm going to have a pure heart, so I'm just going to eat organic I'm going to spend 50% more money on my food over at the Whole Foods place. And, and, and I'm being pure in heart. I mean, the Bible says. So, so I'm going to just do organic food, non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free. And, 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 then, and then all of a sudden, I'm going, to, I'm going to see God, right? No, you're going to be delirious and passing out from the lack of calories. And, anyhow. Yeah, so. But, <laughs> but what it's talking about is not your physical heart that's pumping the blood through your body. What it's talking about is, is your heart condition. It's your emotions. It's, it's this part of you that is not your physical body, but it's a metaphor for your emotions and your feelings. It's for your inner self. Every one of us has an inner self that other people on the outside can't see. You can't see it. Nobody sees your thought life. Nobody sees what you're thinking about. When nobody else is around, what are the things that occupy that space in between your ears? The gray matter up in your skull, when that's clicking away and nobody else is around, what are you thinking about? Nobody else ever sees that. Nobody sees your innermost person. They see what you put out on the outside, right? 
And so when Jesus was, was here on earth, he was dealing with this battle with people. In fact, the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, were more concerned about the outside behavior of people than they were about the inward side. All through the New Testament, you see that Jesus, all through the Gospels, Jesus was constantly talking about the condition of the heart as contrast to what the Pharisees said about the condition of the outside. Listen, the inside matters. The inside matters. What's happening on the inside of you is more important than what's happening on the outside of you. It's funny, we, we talk about people sometimes and we say they have a good heart. You know, they have a good heart. Oh, he's my friend. And, you know, I mean, I, I know that every relationship he ends up in is, is toxic and, and uh, he's, he's unemployed and, and, he's, and he's got all these issues and he smokes wheat for dinner and, and you know, he's got all these, all, all these like vices and stuff. Oh, but he's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. Don't we say that about people all the time? Listen, nobody has a good heart. I hate to break it to you. Nobody's heart is pure. We try hard, don't we? In fact, we look at other people and we think, oh, they seem like a good person. But your heart is not pure. It only takes a little bit of impurity to make it not pure. It just takes a little bit. Some people talk about their heart and they say, oh, just follow your heart. I've got a tough decision to make. I'm not sure if I should go down path A or path B. Oh, follow your heart. Listen, my heart has wanted things that, that weren't good for me. Am I the only one? My heart has wanted things that weren't good for me. You know what my heart wants right now? I want a brand new 4K, 65-inch, high-def TV to mount on my wall to watch some football. Because football's starting, you know what I'm saying? And I can justify it, too. My old-school TV has dead pixels, has, like, black stripes going through it, and, and it's really annoying, right? But, but it, still, it still works. I can still see what's happening. But, but man, I want that sick. My heart wants that 65-inch TV, you know? I'm just telling you that if I came home with a 65-inch TV, that may not line up with the priorities of her household. Amen. My wife is like, amen, amen. I got other things that are more important than a 65-inch TV. If I go buy this TV and come walking in, honey, look what I got. Football season starting. I'll tell you what, that couch is looking like my new bedroom because she's like, oh, you can watch that all the time because you can sleep right there. Yeah. No, but, but, you know, like my heart will mislead me from time to time, right? But my heart, your heart will lead you from time to time. Our hearts will, will lead us in places that, that following your heart is not a good idea. Following your heart is not a good idea. Your heart will, will vary. It will waffle from side to side. You will flip from one emotion to the next emotion, back and forth, quicker than you can possibly imagine. We're all guilty of it. We've seen it. Listen, we have to anchor our souls to something that is more stable than our heart. Our heart is too flippant. We're, we're all over the place. We have to anchor our souls to something that's God's word. This is the anchor that, that we have to be able to anchor ourselves to. This is unchanging. We serve a God that is consistent and unchanging. And we must anchor ourselves to him. Don't, don't, don't follow your heart. I think that might be some bad advice. In fact, if you look in scripture I would have to say this, that without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. Because we all have a little bit of pollution in us, don't we? I'm the only one. But we all have a little pollution in us, don't we? I know that I do. You guys do. Right? There's a little bit of things. Like, we've polluted ourselves. We've seen things that we can't unseen. 
Unsee. Unseen? I don't know. I've seen it. I can't unseen it. It's seen. And, and so, you know, you can't unhear things that you hear or heard. You can't unsay the things that came out of your mouth. The actions that you took at one point where you followed your heart and made a bad decision, you can't undo that, right? There's a little bit of impurity in our life, and no matter what we try to do to try to get that impurity out of our life, we can't get it all. There's still a little bit in there that's trying to hang on to us. And we can try our best. In fact, when Jesus was here on earth in the Gospels, he's constantly saying, listen, the Pharisees are telling you to try your best to get the purity out of you from the outside in. Do, do, don't, don't. All the rules, all the lists. Listen, and Jesus says, listen, I'm not after your outward. I'm after your inward. I'm after the insides. I'm after your heart. Because if your heart is pure, if I can give you a pure heart, then your pure heart will ultimately result in the outward actions coming into line. When you try to go from the outside in, it's your way of doing it. It's man's way of doing it. In fact, we can feel good about fixing the outside, can't we? But God says it doesn't matter what your outside looks like. It matters what your inside looks like. In fact, in Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Your heart is incurable. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. God looks on the inside. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 14, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are darkened in their understanding. The picture that comes to mind is, is when you're in a movie theater and the lights are all the way down and, and you've and you got to go to the bathroom and you hold it forever and you're doing like the dance and you're waiting for the slow part so you don't miss the action and, and, and you, all of a sudden the, the, you make the decision, okay, this is my opportunity. Or maybe you wait to the very end of the movie and you're doing really doing the pee-pee dance and then all of a sudden you, like, you bolt out and you walk out into the bright lights and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I can't even see straight. You come out of a darkened room right into the sunlight. And all of a sudden, my my eyes can't even see. It's like I can't even, I'm blinded by the light that's happening around me. They're darkened in their understanding. Their understanding is darkened, it's clouded. There's a lack of light that's happening in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. You see, I think that we become darkened in our understanding, and I don't think it happens like a light switch. I think it happens like a slow fade. It just gets a little bit darker and a little bit darker and a little bit darker. The sin that tries to wrap itself around our hearts and around our minds and, our, and, our in, and gets itself into our life. You see, if, if you were walking the straight and narrow, and the devil came up to you and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this needle, stick it in your vein. I want you to blow all your money at the, at the casino, and you're going to live in a box under the bridge over here. Everybody's like, well, no. That sounds like a really bad idea. I'm not falling for that temptation at all. But yet people spend all their money at the casino because they just slowly get a little bit darker and a little bit darker and a little bit darker. 
Listen, you don't end up in the bottom, in the place that every one of us has been saved from. Every one of us has been saved from a deep and dark place. Whether you can smell it on your breath or something that went in your vein or something that was in your mind or something that was in your heart. Every one of us has seeds of evil that, that have gotten its way into our life. And I'm telling you that, that we've been saved from this deep and dark place. And it doesn't happen overnight. Satan doesn't tempt you with the bottom. He tempts you with one step down. And it's just one little step and one little step and one little step. Here's the thing, church. Every one of us has this internal desire, whether you're a believer or not. This is what, we, this is what happens if, when you're a Christian. You just say, yeah, I had this internal desire that, that I want to have purity in my life. But then it just slips a little. And we don't even hardly notice. And then it slips a little, and we don't hardly notice. And then it slips a little, and it slips a little, and it slips a little. And then pretty soon we're walking in this place that's not total darkness, but it's not in the light. It's right in the middle. It's this place where Jesus says, listen, I, I, in Revelation it says that, that, that God will say, listen, I would rather have you hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And see, I don't think the enemy is trying to get you into this place of the darkest dark. I think he's trying to get you in a place of apathy and trying to get you in a place of lukewarmness to where, you know what I mean? Like last week we talked about that and said, listen, I'm, just, I'm a Christian home because you lost your focus and your center isn't on Christ anymore. And so he's trying to just get you to shift a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. But today, church, I'm telling you, today, church, I'm telling you, I I want you to renew your commitment to pursuing purity in your life. I want you to renew it. And and I'm, I'm guilty just as much as you because I've slipped a little and I've slipped a little and I've slipped a little. And I'll go watch that movie that's full of profanity and full of all kinds of things that I shouldn't be watching. And I justify it because I say, hey, it was really funny, right? But what if I told you like a, a, a sexist or racist joke that was funny? It doesn't make it right, does it? It doesn't. But, but sometimes we justify it because, oh, but it was funny. Oh, it had great acting. I mean, the plot line was intense, right? Oh, man. And we justify it. We actually pay money to in, entertain ourselves with sin that brings a darkening over our spirit that brings us into a darker place. I'm guilty. Anybody else guilty? Like four of you, that's good. I'm telling you. Like, we're all guilty of doing this, aren't we? Listen, I'm telling you today, I want to challenge us to take a step towards purity in our life. Maybe we've let it slip a little, but today can be the day where we make a decision. Got darkened in our understanding. It's, it's funny, we would, we would never feed a baby a bottle of poison. We would never intentionally do it wrong, right? We, we would... We would never go swimming in a pool filled with acid. I got to tell you, I don't think I would ever let my 15-year-old daughter, she's not 15 yet, on a car date with a guy I've never met. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw an elbow. Well, don't, don't elbow people. Don't give them looks. <laughs> but a 14-year-old son, I wouldn't give my 14-year-old son a smartphone with unlimited internet access. They would look at whatever they wanted to. I, would, I wouldn't do those things, right? Because you, right here, right in this room, you think, yeah, that seems like a recipe for disaster. But sometimes we slip into that area. Is it possible that our homes are not blessed because our hearts have been hardened and we've been darkened in our understanding? All of that without knowing that we've lost our sensitivity because it wasn't a light switch. It was a slow, gradual fade.
So last week we said that we're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. This week, I want to talk to you about creating a culture of purity. Last week, the value was Christ-centered home. This week is, can you create a culture of purity in your home? In fact, when you look at Psalms chapter 119, 9 and 10, it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Don't follow your heart, because your heart will lend you into some bad areas. So how have we adapted that to our family? What, what if we took this same verse and said, hey, can we adapt this? So how can, it says, how can a, a young person, but what if we said, how can a family stay on the path of fear, purity? How can a family stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. We seek you with all of our hearts. Do not let us stray from your commands. It should be something that we can strive for in our families. And and young person, I I know what you're thinking. Like, well, one day when I have a family, I'll do this. One day when I get married, I'll do this. I mean, right now I'm young and I'm free and, and I can do what I want, right? And I can, I can go do what I want. I don't have to really pursue this purity thing until it's time for me to actually build a family. But you see, that, that's, that's flawed thinking. And, and let, me, let me tell you that, that if you build a house, you can't build a house of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You can't build a house of, of purity on, on a foundation that isn't built for purity. You see, if you want to have a family that is built with, with pure intentions and, and, and purity on it, then you've got to start working on it now. And regardless of where you're at, even if you haven't done it to this point, you can start now. Start now in building a house and a foundation and a life of righteousness and purity. So, creating a culture of purity. How do you do it? What do you do? Creating a culture of purity, it's not something you end up by accident. It's not like, whoops, oh, hey, look at that. (laughs) We got a pure home. It doesn't actually happen that way because the natural gravity of the culture we live in is to go into a pretty dark place. I mean, some of the most popular TV shows and movies that are out there right now are, are, would have been illegal like 20 years ago. They wouldn't have even made that TV show or that movie. But, but things are naturally slipping to a more and more immoral and impure place. And so the natural gravity of our culture is to pull us the opposite direction. And so for us, in order to stay pure and to keep our, our minds and our hearts pure, we have an opposite pull that we have to be pulling on. It won't accidentally happen. You have to be intentional. You don't drift there by accident. So here we go. How do we do it? How do we create a culture of purity in our lives and in our homes? Number one is this. Is you have to get your own heart right. You have to get your own heart right. In Proverbs 4, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And there's little things, right? I mean, I'm, I, I could walk up to a, a buffet, and it's like, hey, you know, six and under are free. And I'd be like, yeah, I got two adults, one kid, and a free one. Of course, my seven-year-old's going to pipe up and go, Daddy, I'm not six, I'm seven. <laughs> Shut up, kid. <laughs> Getting your free food. But isn't that obvious, right? I mean, when we think of purity of heart, we think, well, I'm not murdering people. I'm not, like, cheating on my wife that often. 
I mean, like, like what are the things? Like, we think about these, off, these awful, like, extreme things that we, we justify, and we justify our small impurities by, by saying, well, it's not the big ones. It's not the big ones. It's just, it's just the little ones. That, that's, I mean, but listen, I want to tell you that you must strive for purity even in your own heart. Sometimes we want to use conscience as our guide. Well, I mean, my, my conscience, I mean, that's, that's my guide. The problem is our conscience is seared because of the overexposure of sin everywhere that we look. Everywhere we look. Every, like half the billboards that are out there where you're driving down the freeway, we're immune to it, aren't we? We're not even sensitive to it anymore. We'll, we'll watch TV shows that, boy, I don't know if that has the greatest content. We'll, we'll listen to music that is singing and rapping about things that are... It doesn't look like a big rap crowd, but, but singing and rapping about things that are, are like, horrible, right? And, and so, we're, like, we'll, we'll listen to the music because it's got a good beat, but, you know, the lyrics are still there. It's not like they're gone because the beat was good. You know, like, we expose ourselves to things, and we justify it every single time. Listen, your conscience is seared, so you can't use your conscience as a guide. I mean, it doesn't even bother me, right? Like, if it doesn't bother me, it's not, like, tearing me down. Right? Maybe it should bother us more, the things that we see. Maybe it should bug us more that the music we listen to on the radio, or, or maybe, maybe it should bug us more the words that come out of our mouths. or Maybe that stuff should bug us more. You know, all of us have been deceived at one time or another. And the crazy thing about deception is you don't know you're deceived because you believe it's truth. You believe it's right. I know that there's people here going, man, Pastor Matt, you've like gone real dark this week. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of heavy. Yeah, I know, I know. I'd like to tell you it's going to get light in a minute, but it's really not. So. But we, <laughs> but we rationalize stuff all the time, don't we? We really do. We rationalize our friends, the people we hang out with. We rationalize the thoughts that we think, the things that we watch, the things that we read, the games that we play, the language that I use, and the attitudes that I have. We rationalize it all the time. It's justified in our mind because our conscience is seared, because we've gotten used to it. We've grown tolerant to these things. So get your own heart right. And only you know that's the thing. You're sitting there and you're like, Pastor Matt, does he, does he know? No, I don't know. Only you know. And so, really, like, you need to go seek the Lord, and you need to be the one that goes, hey, God, is there something in my heart? Is there impurity in my heart right now that I've been living with that needs to go? And that's something that you and God need to work out. The second thing is this, is once you have started getting your own heart right, the second thing that we can do to help create a culture inside of our own home, is this, is that we can parent to the heart rather than parenting to the actions. As parents, I'm a parent. As parents, my goal is not that my kids would do everything exactly the way I say it. I don't want to make little robots. I want to parent to the heart issues of what's going on in their life. You know, um, in, in 1 Samuel 16, it says that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And through the Gospels, the Pharisees would say things like, don't murder. 
And Jesus would say, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say, don't even hate your brother because hating them is just like murder. The Pharisees would say, don't have an affair. Don't, don't be, live in adultery. Don't, don't cheat on your wife. That's the outward actions. And Jesus says, you've heard it said this. And Jesus says, but, but I say to you, if you even lust, it's just as guilty as committing adultery. See, every time the Pharisees were going for the outward action, human, humanity's temptation is go to the outward action. But Jesus says, no, I want to go to your heart. I want to get to your heart. Jesus was focused on the heart. We so much want to focus on the outside that we can sometimes neglect the inside. And I don't care how clean the glass is on the outside. If the inside's dirty, I'm not drinking out of it. You can clean your outside, and you might impress the people sitting next to you this morning. You can clean the outside. You can impress your friends. You can clean your outside, and people who can only see the outside may be impressed with the way you look and the way you behave and the way that you act. But you see, God sees the heart, and it's all he cares about. He cares about the heart. Sometimes we spend 90% of our time polishing the outside of our glass while the inside is full of dirt. So, with my kids, maybe with your kids, if you've had kids or seen kids, you've seen this happen. One kid, you know, antagonizes the other kid. You know, so then kid, kid one is now antagonizing kid two, and kid two is... Is, is now ready to retaliate against kid one. And then pretty soon, they're fighting with each other and they're shoving each other and, and oh, only my house, okay. But, but they're, they're all of a sudden, they're fighting with each other. These kids are fighting with each other, right? And then all of a sudden, I have to step in and be like, hey, knock it off. And of course, they stop. Two of them look at me, little lip quiver, you know, and it's like, yeah, but, but, but she did, but she did. And the other one's, yeah, but, but, but she did, but she did. And I'm just like, I don't care. You all both owe each other an apology. And, and then what happens? And one of them stomps over to the other one. Sorry, I got your feelings hurt, you big baby. And like walks away, you know. And you're like, man, okay, you technically apologized away. But, but that, your heart issue is there, right? Like the heart issue is still there. They're not really apologizing or, or forgiving. And, and, and they're still antagonizing. And, and I know your kids don't do that. My kids occasionally like, you know, their apologies are maybe less sincere than I would like them to be. And so their, their heart condition is like, oh, no, we got to go back to the heart condition. Listen, I could make them apologize every single time. But if their heart isn't right, then I'm failing as a parent. If, my heart, if their heart isn't right. And so you as an individual need to make sure that your heart is right. As a parent and in your family, you got to make sure your kids' hearts are right. You see, right actions come from a right heart. And number three is this, and if the band would come, we're going to wrap up this morning. Number three is this, is that pursue perfect purity of the heart. Technically, anything less than perfect purity is impurity. If I take my bottle of water and I sprinkle just the tiniest amount of disease in here, you're not drinking it. Because what was once pure is now impure because of a very small thing that's inside of here. You can't make yourself perfectly pure. And you can shine the outside of the cup. And you can try your best to change your actions. And you can, you can do everything that you can do. But everything that you can do is not enough to get yourself 
100% pure. In fact, in Ephesians, it says this, but amongst you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. You can't even have a hint? Oh, man. There goes half my music. Oh, man, I can't even watch that movie. Oh, man, but it's supposed to be funny. You know what I'm saying? You can't even have a hint. So how much poison do we let in, really? Like, what's the standard? Is there, can I put, like, two milligrams per ounce? Or, like, like what's the ratio of poison that's tolerable in our life? God's Word says not even a hint. Not even a hint. Reminds me of the story of the 13-year-old boy wants to go watch a movie with his friends. Mom says, hey, listen, that, that movie is inappropriate. It's got X, Y, and Z in it. Listen, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't go watch it. But my friends are watching it. Everybody else is seeing it. It's supposed to be really funny. And she, mom, the mom's like, I don't really care. There's, there's a little bit, there's enough in there. Like, I, I can't, I'm not comfortable. It's inappropriate for you to watch. And the, and the, and the, the son, of course, is arguing and saying, it's just, it's just a little bit. It's, it's like, I'll close my eyes for the, for the little parts here and there. I won't watch it, I promise, right? You know, and, and, and so the mom says, okay, you can go with your friends. But first, got to eat some brownies. I'm going to make some brownies for you. He's like, okay. Mom goes out in the yard, scoops a little bit of dog poop, throws it in the brownie mix, mixes it up, bakes some brownies and says, hey, you have some brownies before you go, but don't worry. I put a, I put a little bit of poop in here from the dog, but don't worry about it. It's just a little bit. I'm not eating that. No way. That's nasty. That's disgusting. Well, I'm not going to put that brownie. No, but you don't, don't worry. It's just a little bit. Just take your fork and pick the parts out that you think are poop and then eat around it. You're totally fine. It's not, it's not a big deal. Listen, if you can pick the poop out and eat the brownie, just close your eyes in the movie. Done deal. Listen, so many times we think that we can just pick around the poop in the brownie. Sometimes we think we can just pick around the bad stuff. We justify, you know, well, I know there's some poop in there, but those chocolate chunks in there are really good. I know, that, I know that TV show has a ton of nudity and, and, and has a ton of violence and, 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 and the swear words are out of this world. Like every other word is, is a swear word, but it's really funny. Church, it's time for us to live to a different standard. It's time for us to be in this world, but not of it. It's time for us to, to, to live to a standard that God is calling us to live. I know what you're saying, Matt. You just said it was impossible. It is. It's impossible. It's literally impossible for you to do it. See, we've been talking about the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm telling you, God is at work around you all the time. It's just a question of whether you're seeing it or not. It's just a question of whether you're seeing or not. God's working in in, in your workplace all around you with people you work next to. God's at work in your family with your your siblings. He's at work in your family with, with your kids. God is at work in your life all the time. But do you see it? But do you see it? You see, I want you to see a God that answers prayers in your life. 
I want you to see a God that does miracles in your life. I want you to see a God that makes change in your life and the lives around you. I want you to see a God that works through you to have an impact in the lives around you. I want you to see that because God wants to do it. And when you're pure in heart, you will see God moving in amazing ways. I've got good news for you. Ezekiel, it says, I will give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart. You know all those things you did back in college? Those impurities you let into your life? God says, listen, you don't even have to try to pick around that stuff anymore because I'm going to give you a new heart. You know that old heart that was darkened and your understanding was unsting and then your sensitivity dropped and you were insensitive and, and all of a sudden like you were, didn't even see the, the, the toxicity that was happening in your life and then around you. So God says, I'm not trying to ask you to fix it. I'm not coming in here to try to make minor incremental adjustments into your life and into your heart. God says, I give you a new heart. I want to exchange the old hard, insensitive, darkened heart that's happened to you and I want to pull it out and I want to put into you a new heart and a new spirit. Listen, church, you don't have to try to fix the old decrepit heart that you got. You don't have to try to pick the impurities out of the thing that's going on inside of you. God says, I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Church, that's good news, isn't it? That God wants to give us a new heart. You see, we see the problems of the impurities in this world. And the Bible clearly says that the impurities cloud our, our judgment and cloud ourselves to the point where we don't see God moving. And I want to see God moving. And I think you want to see God moving. And in order to see God moving in our lives, we have to have a pure heart. And you can't get a pure heart. The only way you can do it is to go to the one who made your heart and say, God, I need a new one. And it says in his word that he will give you a new heart and a new spirit. So church this morning, let us cry out for that. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you. But, but if you're in that spot this morning, you say, I have let some impurities into my heart and I've been picking around the poop and it's time for me to get a new, clean, pure heart. If you say, hey, you know what? I've, I've, I've let down the garden. I've let impurities in and I have not gone back to God and asked for a clean heart. If that's where you're at, I'm here. My hand's up. If that's where you, you put your hand up and say, listen, today I'm asking God for a new heart. If that's where you're at, I'm asking God for a new heart. I'm asking God to, to have my conscience cleared. God I'm, a, I'm a, God, I'm asking for it. There's hands up all over this room. And so I just want to pray over everybody here. Heavenly Father, you see the hands around this room of people who are saying, God, we, we need a pure heart and it only comes from you. So God, I'm asking that you would take this old heart, this, this old, hard, bitter heart, the heart of stone, God. God, we stand on your word and say, God, you said you're going to give us a new heart and a new spirit. So, God, we're asking for a new heart and a new spirit to come into these lives, into my life this morning. God, remove this heart of stone. <laughs> and give me a heart of flesh. God, let me be sensitive to what you're doing around me. Because, God, I want to see you again. I want to see you moving. I, God, I see you moving a little, but, God, I want to see you moving more. God, I want to see you moving in the lives around me. To, to play me to the place where my eyes aren't clouded with darkness, but God, I'm fully in the light and I see everything that you're up to everywhere around me. God, I want to see you 
work miracles through my life to affect those around me. God, I want to be a blessing to those around me. So God, exchange my heart. I sprinkled a little stuff in mine that needs to get taken out. So God, give us a new heart. Give us a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now you might be here this morning and you might say, you know what? I have literally never made a decision to follow Jesus. I hear what you're talking about, but today's the day I need to make a decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you made that decision years ago and you've walked away. And you say, I don't know. I've done a lot of bad stuff. I've separated myself from God. And and, and my my relationship with God is basically non-existent because I've walked away where I've never made a decision to follow Him. Listen, today's your day. Today's your day. You can make a decision right now to say that I want to follow Jesus. I want the Spirit of God to live inside of me. I am choosing to follow Christ today. And I'm choosing for God to put a new heart in me today. If you want to make that decision, I want to give you something. I want to give you a book. I want to pray with you this morning. If that's where you're at and say, today's the day I'm going to give my life to Christ. Will you just put your hand in the air? I want to see. Is there any hands coming up this morning? I see one over here. Anybody else? Say, today's the day I need a new heart. I'm giving my life to the Lord today. Right here. Okay. All right. Every head bowed. Let's pray. Will you guys just repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for what you've done for me. Today I choose to follow you. Give me a clean heart. Give me a new spirit. Awake in me the reality of you. I invite you to live inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. All right. So church, we're going to sing one more song before we leave this morning. We're going to sing this song. You can leave now if you'd like, or, or if you want to stay and sing, you can stay and sing with us. Listen, this week, go seek the Lord. Say, am I creating a culture of purity in my home? Am I truly asking the Lord to replace my heart? God bless you. Have a wonderful week.
morning, there'll be our prayer team on either side. Feel free to come forward and get some prayer, get some love. Have a great week. God bless you. We will sing, we will sing.